Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. We've been fed a story about science and its pivotal role in shaping our world. It promises innovation, evidence-based policies, and improved health for all. But is it living up to that promise? As RegWatch viewers know, when it comes to the debate over nicotine vaping, too often science takes a backseat to politics, ideology, and public health paternalism. But as we've reported over the past year, mounting evidence suggests nicotine vaping just might be the most effective tool for quitting smoking. Joining us today to talk through the science and the debate over nicotine vaping in the U.S. is Dr. Raymond Nayora, Interim Chair of the Department of Epidemiology and Professor of Social and Behavioral Sciences at NYU School of Global Public Health where he's also the co-director of the Tobacco Research Lab. Dr. Nayora, thanks for coming back on RegWatch. Uh, great to be back, Brent. I got to tell you, if, my, if I get tongue-tied over your titles, things are going to get a little worse right now because I just have to do this so our viewers properly understand our conversation. For eight years, you were the Director of Science and Training at the Schroeder Institute for Tobacco Research and Policy Studies, at the Truth Initiative. You previously taught and conducted research at Brown University, Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, the Georgetown Medical Center, and the School of Public Health at University of Maryland. You are a past president of the Society for Research on Nicotine and Tobacco and a deputy editor of the Nicotine and Tobacco Research Journal. Dr. Nayora, I dare ask, you must know where all the bodies are buried, don't you? Well, um, I wouldn't go that far, but you know, as they say, you know, I've been around the block a few times, so I, I know where the where all the the, uh, the the signposts are, or where they used to be. Let's let's put it that way. Let me ask you then: uh, when it comes to the science on nicotine vaping, are there any discernible differences between, say, the Truth Initiative and Bloomberg School of Public Health and SRNT? And the, and the Nicotine and Tobacco Research Journal? Uh, you know, that's kind of a, a, a tough question. I, I think, you know, it's it's hard to put organizations in, into categories. Um, you know, what I what I hope um, is is happening is that science gets judged on its merits, that people who do good science can do good science any place they are um, and that it's transparent and that it's evaluated by, you know, scientific peers. And, um, y you know, you, you can be anywhere and, and, and do good science. You can be anywhere and do bad science. Um, but as, lo as long as you're, you know, open and upfront about it and, and um, you know, sh show your work and share your work, um, then it then it should work out. So speaking of uh, bad science, I want to show you a slide that was actually in one of your presentations that you shared with us, and that's this one. Vaping can shrink testicles, cause sperm counts to plummet. New research. And this is from the New York Post in September of 2023. Is that an example of good science or junk science? Well, um, you know, I don't know who the scientists, uh, you know, were that did this study, and it was done, I believe, in rodents. 
Um, so it's, 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 you know, it may be good science and may tell us something about vaping liquid and, you know, road, the size of rodent testicles. Um, but in terms of its, you know, meaning and impact for the rest of us human beings is probably not much. So, so again, it could be good science, but it, if it's taken out of context, um, you know, it, it, lo it loses all credibility and meaning. Now, do you find that the science around vaping has been taken out of context more often than not? Well, yeah. And, and, and I, and I think, you know, a study like that's a good example. It's, um, and we've seen this before, you know, the, the inability to tease, you know, to, to really understand the limitations of, um, scientific research when it comes to looking at cells and cell cultures and animal models and then extrapolating to, you know, human beings, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not unique to, to vaping. This is true, you know, across the spectrum, but people just don't, um, you know, take the time to appreciate the, you know, the complexity, um, and sometimes even the scientists themselves, because we all know that the, you know, the incentives are there for, for people to, you know, publish, um, as much as they possibly can. Um, and, you know, one way to do that is to, you know, offer interpretations that are going to be sound bites and appealing to people, you know, who have no deep understanding of the science itself. So again, it's all context, et cetera. Um, and, and I, you know, and again, there's, you know, vaping is just one example of, this this kind of phenomenon happening in in the world of science it happens all the time dr nayora when we first had you on the show back in 2019 at the height of the so-called teen vaping epi epidemic let me ask you was there really a teen vaping epidemic um well if i recall correctly and this is a whole pandemic ago um it at the time, it's it wasn't clear to me, like, you know, who has the authority to actually say, oh, that something's an epidemic. And, it, it, you know, it was whoever was the head of, of, of the FDA at that point in time. I think it was Scott Gottlieb um, who, you know, said something like, you know, this is an epidemic. And 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 there actually isn't any official kind of you know, mechanism for, for declaring an, an epidemic, I guess anybody can do it, right? Especially if you're in any kind of position of authority. So, uh, so from the point of view of like, you know, is, are there objective criteria to declare that it wasn't an, an epidemic? I mean, I don't know, but um, it, it sure it, it was made so by 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 fiat by declaration now you know what was there a spike in youth use of you know these kinds of products yes um but look what's happened since then yeah i've got the slide that you sent us uh this was the 2019 to 2023 
data. Walk us through this. Right. So this is, um, as you said, the, the um, 2019 through 2023, this is data from the National Youth Tobacco Survey. So it's the U.S. National Survey of, of Youth, um, you know, asking about what kinds of tobacco and nicotine products they use. This is one of the um, you know, key indicators that the that government agencies rely upon, the CDC, FDA, et cetera, to tell us about, um, you know, what's happening with youth use of tobacco and nicotine related products. We can see that, you know, there was there was a high point in 2019, you know, pretty much across all categories of uh, types of products that that and that has kind of you know, diminished substantially in the intervening years, um, including vaping, even though vaping is still, you know, the number one product um, that is, you know, that you'd say that they use, it's down to, I think, 7.7% from, um, and I can't quite see it on the screen from what it was in 2019. I think it says 20 20 yeah so so that's a pretty big drop um in you know a mere you know four or five years and uh, you know pretty much everything else has dropped too with some minor exceptions um but you know you look at cigarette smoking which you know has been the object of of great concern for decades uh and and that's you know, as low as, as, uh, you know, close to as low as we've seen it, it's, it's, you know, the numbers are, are down to, you know, less than, you know, less than 2%. Um, so it's really kind of remarkable. Um, and if you look at any, you know, any use of any combusted products also down, um, you know, under 5%, um, so in many respects, this is, this is really a good news story from, you know, anybody's perspective. Kids are just not, you know, using tobacco or nicotine containing products as, as much as they used to. And, you know, at record lows, really. How do, how can, uh, the science explain the fact that back in 2019, there was clearly well over 20%. I've heard numbers that it was around 27.5% uh, was the use of e-cigarettes at kind of at its very height. And just four years later, it's now just only just a little bit over 10% for e-cigarette use. So in that four years, you know, hundreds of thousands uh, of youth that were 18 and caught up in that fad are now 23 and 24, and yet the smoking rate is cut in half in those four years. What does that say about the science? What does that say about those, those science, scientists that believe gateway is still a possibility and so forth? Well, I would say that anybody that claims that they understand youth today is sorely mistaken. Um, <laughs> They're, they're always surprising us, right? Um, so, you know, it's it's a probably a combination of a whole bunch of things. 
And if folks want to take credit for stuff, you know, sure, you know, there was a crackdown by FDA on various things, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, media, you know, fine. I, you know, you're welcome to take take some some credit for it. But I think bottom line is we don't really know kind of, you know, what the what the real story is. You know, people are just kind of turning their attention away from from these products um, and and especially smoking, which is really, um, you know, to me, to, to that that's really the, the 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 most amazing and gratifying thing to see is that you know youth are just they're just not into cigarettes anymore, um, and you know, and again, it could be because of years of 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 just you know strong messaging and campaigning et cetera et cetera more and more people quitting could be because vaping was you know helping smokers trans transition away and again it could be because you know we don't understand <laughs> what what youth are thinking where their attention is going what they're you know what they're going to be up to next um you know which is on the one hand, frustrating, but on the other hand, hey, that's part of being, you know, a youth. You you have to remain an enigma to your uh, to your elders. Isn't that a problem, though, because so much of the policy that's been enacted around this area is designed to thwart youth youth use, but those same policies are thwarting adults switching from smoking to vaping well well yeah and that's you know again it's um you know the, the this kind of standard um you know public health it's not even just the public health the standard approach to any problem you see a problem you figure out you know ways that are the most obvious ways to, that, to control it, um, which in government speak is usually some sort of tax or ban or combination thereof. And, you know, it's the hammer and you pound on the problem until uh, it goes away or until, you, you know, your attention is diverted to another problem. Um, there's no, there's, it, it, government has very little uh, bandwidth for creativity, um, you know, and um, so it's not a surprise that, uh, you know, it's like one one policy, one size will fit all. And, um, you know, unintended consequences be damned, you know, it's just like, that's not on anybody's radar screen. Um, and so, yeah, and then you're going to get you know, government actions that um, will have, you know, unintended consequences and that will play out and uh, and nobody will take responsibility for anything. You mentioned that um, some people might be, um, I guess, taking some responsibility for this drop in youth vaping. I wonder, it doesn't appear to us that anybody's doing any high-fiving you know, and celebrating uh, this drop, is that even possible for tobacco control 
to someday go, hey, our job, great job, man, job well done, and then move no. on to something else. No, that's not possible. Um, and the reason why is because you still have, you know, any tobacco slash nicotine use at what, 10% or something. So now the attention is going to be diverted to that number. Okay. And all the resources will be devoted to that number. And, um, and, you know, that will focus everyone's attention. And it's, I mean, it's logical, right? It's just like, okay, um, you know, we can't stop now. We, you know, whatever we've been doing is, is, is worked. Look, so you can see the results. Um, uh, but we've, we have, you know, we still have a long way to go. I think, um, you know, Brian King recently just issued a proclamation saying, you know, we can't rest on our laurels. Um, so no, the machine, the tobacco control machine will not be, will not be stopped. It will not pause to take stock or anything like that. Um, it just won't happen. You mentioned Brian King back. So the NYTS data for 2023 came out in early November and inexplicably six weeks later, FDA found some reason to actually send out another blast regarding what was already well covered by everyone. And that's the, the national survey shows drop in e-cigarette use among high school students. And it was like, why did they find that they needed to reinforce this? And if you look at the actual subject line of the email, high school e-cigarette use drops while unauthorized products appeal to youth, which is very strange. Yeah. Well, again, it, you know, um, it, 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 to me, it's just not, po it, it's not possible um, for there to be any acknowledgement let alone a celebration of good news. The system just isn't set up to do that. Um, you know, we always have to keep marching forward, you know, and progress has to be made. Um, and, you know, we're not done, we're not done yet. Um, and, you know, progress ha has been made, continues to be made, um, you know, so at least, some people can, you know, raise a toast or whatever, or whatever your whatever your preferred beverage is, um, and say and and say, you know, hey, there's some good news here, and we should acknowledge it, and um, um, you know, and keep that side of the the argument going. Part part of you know, you know the balance that we need to strike, and and you know, it speaks towards premature celebration is, yeah, we're winning some battles with respect to tobacco. So that's good news, especially combusted tobacco. Um, but there's others, there's other stuff going on that should be a concern to everyone. It, I think is a concern to everyone. And we need to kind of look at the bigger picture and not just focus on our favorite, you know, problem or set of problems. Um, and you know, and, and I've said this before, and other people have said this, that that we're kind of, you know, we kind of lack that bigger perspective, which is, you know, where, 
where it, you know where is our youth population hurting the most where are they suffering where are we as a society failing them um you know where are the pressure points um some of which can be reflected in you know use of of, of drugs and risky behaviors but there are far bigger and more important things going on that we need to be paying attention to. Dr. Neora, sometimes it feels like to me and to our viewers that tobacco control is having a hard time processing some of these wins. Well, well, right. It's like, you know, no, nobody wrote up a script, um, saying, okay, well, here's what, what we do when we see good news. Uh, you know, no, no, nobody has that script written. written. Um, so what, what do you hear? You hear mostly silence from, from people. Um, and again, the system's just not designed to reinforce good news. You know, you think about, um, you know, who's funding activity in this area? Well, you, Funding flows to where problems are perceived to be, right? Um, and you, you know, uh, otherwise the funding will, will dry up. Um, you know, research attention gets focused on problems, not, not good news. Um, so again, to me, it's just not a surprise that um, there's not even gonna be a pause <laughs> here to sort of say, hey, you know, we're, you know, this is good news and maybe we need to kind of recalibrate a little bit and, uh, um, you know, have some vision for, you know, the what the next five years are going to be. How would you characterize FDA's approach to regulating the nicotine vaping market? Well, so I was thinking about this recently. So FDA, the CTP has been in business for how many years? In all that time, whatever it is, 14 years or 13 years, how many um, reduced risk products have been, um, you know, reviewed and how many have been approved and are now you know, being sold and available in the marketplace to adult. Consumers. Is that a trick question? <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, you know, unless you think, well, the whole idea of having, you know, a reduced harm pathway or set of pathways written into the legislation, written into the law, was just some kind of like, you know, afterthought. Um, if that if that was put there in a meaningful way, um, then I would expect FDA to have done a better job of making you know these products available to adult consumers of of, of nicotine. Um, so, you know, and you can, there, there can be all kinds of excuses, et cetera, but I mean, come on, 
you know, it's like it, it, there's there's something wrong with this picture. Um, and, you know, we can point fingers in, you know, every every which direction. But the basic reality is, you know, how many products given how many applications over how many years? And I don't know if I was a congressperson, a senator or whatever, and I was doing some kind of, you know, routine evaluation of of government agencies and what they've been able to accomplish. I'd look at that and say, well, what's going on here? You know, it is 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 this the way it was supposed to happen? You know, was this the plan? Um So there's like this disconnect that I can't, you know, figure out. And, and everyone has theories as to why, you know, things have been so dysfunctional. But nobody can say, oh, this, things have gone according to plan. Uh, or if they do, I, you know, who says that? Dr. Nayora, talking about FDA's plans, you included a slide in your e-cigarette summit presentation it says a plan appropriate for the protection of public health. And clearly it's pretty heavy in the control side, ban all conventional cigarettes, replace them with very low nicotine cigarettes, ban all flavors across all tobacco products, remove from market, do not authorize any products where youth use exceeds what 5% and then new nicotine delivery products must be authorized as therapeutic existing products must seek similar authorization. Is that really a plan? Yeah, well, so that was a tongue-in-cheek slide in presentation that I gave a few months ago. Um, but, you know, tongue-in-cheek, right? It's kind of like right on the edge of things, isn't it? Now, just to be, just to be clear for our viewers, you are supportive of nicotine vaping products as a tool for harm reduction, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, again, that slide sort of, you know, is not that far off from reality in many respects, and not that far off from what many people in, you know, in the field of tobacco control would agree with. And, and, and again, that's fine. You know, people can have different views about how to accomplish different things and and have, you know, and have debates about these things and talk about the science and so forth. That doesn't bother me, but it's more, in a, you know, how do you, where do you have these, these open debates? Where do you, you know, where's the opportunity to actually present the science, the scientific evidence such as it is? to review it, um, you know, to have discussion and and debate and so forth. It's pretty, it's, it, it's pretty haphazard. Um, and in the meantime, you know, agencies, you know, make their rules and their, their decisions, which um, they claim are based in science, but, um, you know, many of us would would disagree and say no the science doesn't support this claim or that making this decision or or certainly it doesn't 
you know, there are, there are counter arguments or maybe the science isn't as strong as you think, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, I mean, doing you doing this is part of the way that, um, you know, we communicate to the, to the world, but it doesn't seem to me that there's been a system, a, a satisfactory systematic way of going about this. Um, at least from the point of view of of the functioning of a of a government agency such as the FDA. In your opinion, has FDA uh, embraced the concept of tobacco harm reduction or recoiled from it? Well, you know, you hear different things, and I think, um, I, I think that yes. Um, you know, they they recognize that there is there is such a thing. Um, and, you know, they recognize its benefits, um, which is in line with, you know, the current administration acknowledging the importance of the concept of harm reduction in other areas, including, you know, opiate use, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think there is acknowledgement that there you know that there is value in the concept, and and um, and that there the possibility exists that yes, um, you know one can can in theory have you know reduced harm products and make them available, um, but there's this. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is, kind of like inertia or um, just kind of being frozen or stuck. Um, this kind of inability to, to you know, move beyond, be, beyond kind of the status quo that just seems to me to be so perplexing. Dr. Nayora, in 2023, who are the smokers in the United States? So that's a good question. So there are still, you know, what around eleven percent of the the adult population are cig cigarette smokers, at least in in the U.S. And that comes out of the uh, National Health Interview Survey, which again is one of those national surveys that's a key piece of you know provides key information to government agencies, including the FDA. So they're, you know, in the slide, it's 11.3%. So that's still a lot of people. I mean, you know, it's down, you know, but it's not, it's, you know, it should be lower than that. Uh, so this, you know, that's a huge amount of people. So you can ask, well, you know, who, as you said, who are these people? Uh, so there's a lot of talk about, you know, so-called priority populations. Um, and, you know, things like, you know, people who have mental health issues tend to smoke more, uh, mental health disorders, diagnoses. People who use, you know, drugs, substances, alcohol tend to smoke more. Um, people who are unemployed, people who have less education, people who are disabled, um, you know, people who are, um, you know, you know, who, who don't have health insurance. There's a whole list of categories of, of, uh, 
um, you know, what we kind of call these days social determinants of health. These are things that we know are related to all kinds of bad health outcomes. They also happen to be related to, uh, to smoking prevalence. And in many ways, it's not a surprise. These are things that we've known for, for a long, long time. Um, and so part of the challenge has always been to figure out, well, you know, where are, where are the smokers? Who are they? And how can we figure out better ways um, for them to quit? And or, you know, taking the harm reduction perspective, providing them with, you know, access to reduced harm, reduced risk products instead of smoking. Um, so, so we know that, but it turns out that that doesn't explain, you know, the universe of smokers that are still out there. There's just, you know, there are millions and millions of smokers out there. Um, you know, probably many of whom, who, well, all, all of whom have the opportunity to benefit, um, you know, from the possibility that they can be, you know, switched to a reduced harm product. Um, and so the key question is, you know, how do we, how do we get to them? How do we reach them? How do we you know, give them kind of the good news, such as it is, that there are alternatives out there um, that, you know, that they can switch to um, th that will help them literally quit smoking. Is it fair to say that the science is finally coming in, it's catching up to the debate? What is it saying about the efficacy of nicotine vaping products and quitting smoking? Well, so again, this gets back to the issue of there's a lag, right, in terms of science and information, and that information, you know, reaching the ears of the of the public, much less uh, people in decision making uh, authority. So that so there's been a you know a steady drumbeat, study after study showing that you know vape vape products in particular can help people switch off of cigarettes. Um, and, you know, and lo and behold, it turns out that it's helping people even though they weren't necessarily looking for help in the first place. They were kind of like, you know, pe people call it accidental quitting or whatever. I'm not sure that's the best term for it, but it's like, okay, people try vaping instead of smoking or, you know, both at the same time, whatever. And then slowly, gradually find that it's easy to, or at, at least possible to switch to vaping. And before long, they're no longer smoking cigarettes. Um, and it's not that they had a plan and they set out to do this, although many do, um, but it just kind of happened. Um, you know, and and we're finding out, oh, this is real. This is this is what what's happening to people, which is pretty amazing. Because if you think about a smoking cessation product, that's exactly the way you'd want it to work. Is you know it'd work for everyone, not just people who want to use it to 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 quit. So this is an incredible good news story. Um, and then in the same um, you know national health interview survey data, 
when we ask, they ask people, so, you know, what have you tried, what have you used to try to quit smoking? And the numbers are off the charts for e-cigarettes compared to everything else that's available. So people, you know, people are using these things. It, it, the, you know, the numbers are telling us, the science is telling us that um, despite all the stuff that's going on and, and, you know, all the craziness out there, people uh, are figuring this out. Um, and, um, and, you know, to me, that's, that's good news. And, you know, ultimately it shows you that, you know, people do figure things out, um, you know, despite what governments and NGOs, et cetera, might want us to do or think. For a lot of our viewers, it, it, there's something even more personal than that because the story of accidental quitting is renowned <laughs> throughout, you know, if, if you quit smoking via vaping, either you accidentally quit or you knew somebody who experienced that phenomenon. And, you know, for the longest time, FDA and, and tobacco control say, well, we don't have enough data to prove what you're saying. That's just a story. It's, you know, it, it's a it's a colloquialism. But now it appears that the actual science is demonstrating that that phenomenon is real and is happening. Yeah. And um, and it's happening, you know, in kind of an organic way, um, which is you know, that's how real change happens. Um, it's not going to change doesn't happen because it's mandated by, you know, uh, 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 some authority um, or it's certainly not enduring change doesn't happen that way unless you, you know, you like living in an authoritarian environment. Um, so and pro probably most of us don't. So one of the papers actually that, you know, went a long way to help explore and prove this, I use the word prove because I'm just, I'm not a scientist, um, you know, was a paper that you co-authored, which was published in 2021 that found this interesting association between adult e-cigarette use and successful discontinuation of cigarette smoking, i.e. quitting. I love the line that you have in this slide here that I've got up and it says, Daily vaping works mostly for smokers without firm plans to quit. Right. So, right. Meaning that you don't have an intention to quit. So why is it, do you think, that vaping seems to be the most effective when the person who's using it has no intention of quitting? I wouldn't get too hung up on the intentionality of it, but it's, it's, I'd, I'd ask, well, what's the product doing? it's obviously able to substitute or replace for whatever it is that smoking is, is, is doing or giving. Um, and that happens in almost an unconscious way, you know, and, um, and that's the beauty of it. It's like, well, you know, you don't have to, you know, go crazy and say, I'm, you know, um, you know, I have to, you know, summon up all my willpower to to do this because we know it's it's hard as hell um so this is you know the, the to me this is like exactly what you'd want a smoking cessation product to be able to do which is to 
you know, kind of gently lead people along the pathway. And, and then they find, oh, you know, guess what? I'm not needing the cigarettes anymore. Um, you know, there's just no need. We had Dr. Uh, Matthew Carpenter on back last fall from Medical University of South Carolina. And he had, which is, I guess, the largest U.S. study um, of smoking cessation with e-cigarettes, I believe. And I wanted to bring that up because that just adds more fuel to the fire for the argument, doesn't it? Absolutely. So, again, that's, you know, one of the, the, the newer pieces of evidence that's out there. And it's totally in line with, you know, the, the, this whole idea that, the, you know, these products are effective substitutes. They don't... You don't, you know, you don't need to screen people ahead of time and say, oh, you know, I'm, I need to quit and I'm ready to quit, you know, in the next week or month or something like that. Um, so, and, and that's great because, you know, it opens up the window. It, 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 um, it opens up the realm of possibility for, for people. You don't have to be, um, you know, quote unquote, a committed quitter. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it it used to be very discouraging, you know, because relapse is real. It's, it's you know, it's, it's part of human nature. People are going to go back to the bad habits that, that we all try to quit. Um, the point is not to, not to give up the, you know, the journey is to, to keep at it and keep at it. And here's something that, you know, seems to offer, you know, positive direction. Um, and, and yeah, his, his, his research and others like it are just showing us, you know, yeah, let's, you know, broaden our perspectives here. Um, we shouldn't be thinking about smoking cessation. You know, first of all, we shouldn't be thinking about smoking as, you know, a medical issue. It shouldn't be overly medicalized because that, the, that implies that you need to treat it with some sort of a medical paradigm, a drug, um, medical procedures, et cetera, et cetera. And there's been value to that. You know, there, there has been because it's helped develop strategies and medications that have been helpful, but it's also narrowed our view and in a way kind of disempowered people. Um, because if you're, you know, kind of stuck in that medical model, then everything is, you know, either you're sick or not. And, you know, that every treatment is a treatment or not. It's, you know, there's no other options. If you're a hammer, everything does look like a nail. Exactly. Hmm. Um, but, and, but this is part of what makes people, you know, people in the tobacco control community, um, wary because it's like well what if we lose control over this what does it mean you know well Which it could is, it could very well mean recreational nicotine it could very well mean people of majority age who have never smoked deciding that they like that they'd like to experience nicotine in a safer right, manner right right so all those questions come up and you know and then and people are uncomfortable talking about that stuff. Um, Does nicotine vaping products threaten tobacco control? Um, yes and no. I mean, on the one hand, 
Yes, because, you know, for the reasons that we've just been talking about. But on the other hand, no, because they focus the attention on, ah, we have something new to to, to attack and, you know, and, and try to control. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that, that cognitive dissonance, right? So you're saying then that um, nicotine vaping could help sustain the business model of tobacco control. Whereas if everybody quit smoking tomorrow, there really wouldn't be any reason anymore to have all this infrastructure. Well, except that people are vaping. Right, except for people are vaping. So then, has the uh, long-time goal of tobacco control, which was the tobacco end game, has that mutated into a war on nicotine? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, not completely, but you see people kind of that have moved in that in that direction and basically said, well, yeah, that's kind of what we meant all along or whatever, you know. But again, to me, it's just logical that it would move in that direction. Um, how it's going to, you know, play out ultimately, we'll see. Um, you know, will people get bored, um, you know, with this set of issues eventually? Um, it's hard to say. You know, it's, 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 it's just hard to say. Now, you know, there's still what, you know, billions smokers cigarette smokers out there you know more or less so we shouldn't imagine that you know th that the, the work is done um you, you know you can still there's a lot of there's a lot of room for improvement on a global scale um and um and so yeah there's going to be plenty to do for everyone. Dr. Nayora, I guess control is the most operative word in tobacco control, is it not? Exactly, who's got, who's got control? And, you know, who wants control? And, and you know, who seeds control? And who, who gains and who, who seizes, you know, control? It's, it's, it's all, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's baked, it's baked in to the terminology. So last question for you, you know the people well in this world. What result could make a tobacco controller happy? Um, I don't think any result will make um, at least a strong subset of the tobacco control community happy. Um, so you know, it could be, let's say, for example, oh, you know, the goal is to put every single multinational tobacco corporation on the face of the planet, you know, out of business, bankrupt, paying reparations, whatever. I still don't think that'll be enough because people will be using, you know, nic nicotine, tobacco derived nicotine products just because, I mean, you know, that's not gonna go away. Um, so, so yeah, I don't think it'll, you know, for some subset of people, you know, the, the, the fight will live on forever.